Pray with me, would you? Mm, God, what a comfort it is to know that no matter what our journey, no matter what our experiences, no matter how bright the day or beautiful the sunset or no matter how dark the night, no matter how alone we feel, Jesus, others have gone before us. Others have longed for the same things we long for. You have met the needs of your children. God, from the very first day until now. So God, as we enter into the season of both remembering the first coming of Jesus, but with the biblical figures and characters that we read of in the Bible, God, with the very real experiences of those who have gone before, we also long for your coming again. God, thank you. Thank you so much for the reminder, even through the trauma and to us, to us the tragedy of losing a a loved one. We think of our sister church, too, in the midst of, of their trauma and tragedy of losing a loved one, God. We have this hope that, that sin and disease and, and death is not the end of the story. You, through Jesus, have, have broken the power of those things over us. So why, God? Why do we cry out? Why do we still experience that pain, that emptiness, that sense of loss, oftentimes, God, that hopelessness. God, as we unite our hearts with the saints of old this Advent season, as we unite our hearts with one another, as we walk through this journey of life together, Father, we remember, we remember and and choose to bring to mind the reality of the gospel in Jesus Christ. And we say, God, with them, come again, God. You who promised to be God with us, meet us here now. And then, God, I just, I just rejoice as we experience your presence, even in the midst of grief, even in the midst of joy. Look at little Celeste up here. Like even in the midst of our life experiences, we know, we believe, God, that, that we're going to be that kind of a light to other people as well. So shine bright, would you, in our hearts today, God. Prepare us to meet you. God, we confess that we are a sinful people and we walk among sinful people. But our eyes... Our eyes have beheld the King. And so we ask you, O God, through the precious blood of Jesus, forgive us our sins, for they are many. God, allow us to release the power of sin over ourselves. Allow us to to forgive those who have sinned against us. And allow us to hope again. And this first, this first Advent Sunday, as we light the candle of hope, God, we pray it will become 
first a flame and, and then God a light for the world to see. Now we love you and we receive together today your forgiveness and we give glory and honor to you. Amen? Mm. Wow. I wonder when I pray. Um, what a privilege. What a privilege to walk through life together. Um, what's going to be our guide in the midst of that, right? I love it. You'll hear it in our passage today. To the testimonies God cried through Isaiah, to the Word of God. Would you go to the Word of God with me together today? We're going we're gonna to go way back first to the book of Isaiah. So if you open your Bibles uh, to about the middle, you'll be probably near the Psalms or very close to Isaiah. If you go slightly to the right, you'll come to that major prophet that many of us have come to love so much because we've come to realize that the Bible is not two stories, a story before Jesus and a story after. We realize the Bible is one testimony, one story pointing us in the Old Testament toward Jesus. We're looking back in the New Testament toward Jesus. And this Sunday, we have this extreme privilege of hearing the story from the lips of Isaiah as God spoke through him to people in great darkness and fear. We're in Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah chapter 7. Then we're going to jump to Isaiah chapter 8 at one point, but um, join me uh, in reading with me. Um, I'm going to read it out loud in uh, Isaiah 7, beginning at verse 1. Now, in the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, let me just press pause for a second and say no word in scripture is wasted. Um, God is pointing out the the generations that came before the king of whom we're going to speak today. And let me just say, uh, in, in a list of kings in Israel, a list of kings of Judah, there were not many that honored God. And, and Uzziah was one of those who did. For 52 years, he honored God and led the people of Israel. His, his son, Jotham, did the same. He honored God. But, but um, that door to the kingdom of heaven is one person wide, isn't it? And by the time we get to, to um, Ahaz, don't confuse Ahaz with Ahab, who came much earlier. By the time we get to Ahaz, uh, the king's heart has now wandered, and he is not leading Israel well. So nothing's wasted. That little, that little genealogy there is important. Now some new names come to mind. Uh, in those days, Rezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Ramalia, the king of Israel, ten tribes in the north, and now the country north of them, conspired together, right? The, the Rezin, the king of Syria, uh, Pekah, the son of Ramalia, the king of Israel, came up to Jerusalem to wage war against it. To wage war against it. So the ten tribes of Israel... Syria have joined together and they came to the two tribes that are still based out of Jerusalem uh, to wage war against it and yet could not mount an attack against it. Again, 
calling us to remember God's promises. Uh, uh, Isaiah writes, when the house of David, that is Ahaz, even though he's not honoring God, he still is of the lineage of David. When the house of David was told Syria is in league with Ephraim, uh, the pet name for Israel, God's pet name for Israel, uh, David was told Syria is in league with Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people, the people of God, shook as trees of the forest before the wind. Wow. Wow, the most powerful person in Judah, his heart is shaking like trees before the wind. And so the Lord, and when you see the Lord in caps like that, it's actually the name of God, Yahweh. And so Yahweh said to Isaiah, go out and meet Ahaz, you and your son, Shir Jashub, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the washer's field. Again, I've got to stop for a second. Um, God is very specific there, right? We talk about divine appointments. There was a divine appointment. God said, get your tush up to that exact spot where he's going to be at this exact moment, right? He is directing that divine appointment. And say to him, say to the king of Israel, which is taking his life in his hands, say to the king of Israel, be careful, be quiet. Do not fear and do not let your heart be faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands at the fierce anger of Rezin of, uh, and Syria and the son of Ramalia. Uh, firebrands is that little fire star. You light a piece of wood and stick it in there. And, and, and what he's saying is these countries are trying to start a fire. They're trying to light a fire under you. Don't let them do that, right? Verse 5, because Syria with Ephraim and the son of Ramalia has devised evil against you, saying, let us go up against Judah and terrify it and let us conquer it for ourselves and set up the son of Tobiel as king in the midst of it. Thus says the Lord our God. When you read that in scripture, it is very important. It shall not stand. It shall not stand. Keep that in mind, beloved, as we, as we um, worship today. Anything fashioned against the Lord will not stand. It shall not come to pass. For the head of Syria is Damascus. He named the city. And the head of Damascus is Rezin. And within 65 years, Ephraim will be shattered from being a people. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Now, the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is the son of Ramalia. And then he just almost like stops. And, and hear this word, beloved. If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all in, in, our, um, in our New International Version. It says, if you do not stand in faith, you will not stand at all. Right? Wow. Wow. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask for a sign of the Lord, your God. Let it be as deep as Sheol, sometimes translated grave, sometimes translated hell, or as high as heaven. And Ahaz had a kind of a spiritual moment for a second, or at least a 
false spiritual moment. He said, I will not ask. I won't put the Lord to the test. And Isaiah said, hear then, O house of David. God said, actually, hear then, O house of David. Is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name God with us. You shall call his name Emmanuel. Now jump over a chapter to verse 811. Isaiah is continuing the story. A lot has happened in between. But he says, For the Lord spoke thus to me with his strong hand upon me. This is Isaiah speaking. And warned me not to walk in the way of this people. Saying, do not call conspiracy all that this people call conspiracy. And do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread. But the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear. And let him, the Lord of hosts, be your dread. And he will become a sanctuary and a stone of offense and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel, a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and many shall stumble upon it. They shall fall and be broken. They shall be snared and taken. Bind up this testimony. Seal the teaching among my disciples. I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob. I will hope in him. Behold, This is Isaiah speaking. I and the children whom the Lord have given me are signs and portents in Israel from the Lord of hosts. The very word of God. Oh, I know. That was a lot of stuff going by. Uh, Wow. As you get back into the story in your own personal study, uh, you're going to just see amazing how the hand of God was guiding every aspect of that. Now flip over with me to a more familiar passage in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. See, the question is, whenever God reveals his heart, whenever he reveals his plans, what shall we do? What shall we say in response to this? And, and Paul picks up that theme in Romans 8.31. What shall we then say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And who shall bring any charge, any charge, against God's elect? That's you, beloved. That's you. It is God who justifies. And and who is there to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, he was raised, who's at the right hand of God, who's interceding for us right now. You feel alone. And and Paul says, you're not alone. Jesus Christ is at the right hand of God, the Father, interceding for you right now. So what shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or the sword, as it is written, for your sake, God. We are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. 
No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I'm sure, Paul says, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord, the very Word of God. Oh, thank you, God. Thank you for your Word, no matter what our circumstances. No matter, God, how much our hearts tremble. The message of scriptures is true. God became flesh and dwelt among us. God is with us. We praise you. We worship you. God, I pray now that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Oh, my goodness. I know this was a lot going by. I know also that right now you're going, how in the world is he going to get through all those notes? I'm not. But you are. Gotcha. (laughs) Um, uh, I do not, I do not want to minimize um, the powerful truths in what God said through Isaiah. um, but that the whole second part of your notes today are a deep dive into powerful promises that will change your life. But for our time together today, I wanted, I wanted to just think for a moment about signs, about signs, right? Because I don't know about you, but sometimes my heart is like, like Ahaz's, right? In, in myriad ways. Um, sometimes, even though I, have, I consider myself a part of the family of God, I make choices and I wander and I, I, uh, I, I feel out of relationship with the living God, right? And so, so um, in many ways, I am Ahaz, Right? I think we'll see later. In many ways, I'm not, but but I walk those streets. I I know his experience. But today, especially, I'm, I'm thinking about um, when he heard that his own people, the people of Israel, who had separated back there after the time of Solomon and 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 wandered from God, his own people now were uniting with with Gentiles and and conspiring to come and destroy the people of God who were remaining faithful, Judah, the city of God, Jerusalem. Um, I can I can resonate with that, right? Can you can you think of a time when your heart has trembled? And, and, and you found yourself taking your eyes off of God and the promises and looking at the circumstances around you and, and giving in to fear, right? What, what does God do in those moments, right? The beauty, 
beauty of God is he knows us. He knows that we're vulnerable in that way. And so in, in Scripture, you see this repeated over and over again from the very beginning until the very end that God will give a sign, right? Now, I want to note for just a second because um, we we're coming out of um, the longest season of the year. No, I'm not talking about a fall or summer. I'm talking about orange cone season, right? We're, we're coming out of the longest season of the year. From about March until December um, is the season in southern Indiana called orange cone season. And, and that's where there's signs all over the place. Some of those signs have been there for months, uh, right? Yes, yes. And, and, uh, and, and what is the purpose of those signs. The sign is not the reality, right? Rather, it points to the reality. Uh, the sign is not there is a, a lane change right here. The sign is there's a lane change coming up. And if you don't pay attention to the signs, if you don't, not naming names, Dave, but, um, but if you don't slow down when you see those kinds of things, you're going to whip into something at a, at, a, at a place that is dangerous to you and other people. The sign, the purpose of the sign is to protect you, right? And, uh, and so uh, oftentimes those signs um, warn you of something that is coming. Now, I want to just stop for a second because the signs in Scripture often have uh, immediate ramifications, right? And sometimes intermediate. And, in other words, in the near future, that same sign that had immediate impact also speaks to us of something in the near future. But oftentimes in Scripture, and particularly this time, oftentimes in Scripture it has ultimate significance as well, right? It has ultimate meaning, something far beyond what the people and the circumstances at that time had any clue. Now, I'm guessing that if you look back in your life and you look back at the time when God intervened and, and showed you uh, significant signs in your life, oftentimes it had immediate, intermediate, and ultimate consequences as a result. And, and so I just want to note that, that, that signs play a very important part of Scripture. Now, for the most part, for the most part uh, in Scripture, it's wrong to seek signs, right? Why would that, why would that be? Jesus says some powerful words uh, when when people in his day came to him, now remember this is post, uh, post uh, uh, his birth, all those amazing signs in the sky, all those different things that God did to announce the coming of the Savior. Uh, now, now they're wanting daily signs. What are you doing for me today, Jesus? You know, give us some sign, Jesus, that you are who you say you are. And Mark 8, it's recorded in all uh, three of the Synoptic Gospels, uh, Jesus sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why? Why does this generation seek a sign? Truly, I mean, he's really emphasizing that. Truly, I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation except the sign of Jonah. Accept the sign of Jonah, which then makes us dive back into this continuous story and say, what was the sign of Jonah? Three days in the belly of a whale, right? Before being resurrected, being granted life 
again. Oh my goodness. So, so for the most part in Scripture, um, uh, when it's wrong to ask God for a sign, why? Why would it be wrong, right? Um, we've seen that signs in the Old Testament were often people pointing to Jesus. Did you hear that? It went by really fast, and I hope we have a chance to explore it a little bit today. But, but behold, I, Isaiah, and the children whom God has given me are signs and portents in Israel from the Lord of hosts. So oftentimes the sign was the person pointing to Jesus. In particular now, in particular now, um, God says through Isaiah, uh, uh, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel. This is going to rock some of your world, but that sign was fulfilled in the beginning of chapter 8, right? Isaiah was a part of that sign being fulfilled, right? Um, But, as we've seen, it was not just immediate fulfillment or even intermediate, 65 years later, fulfillment, but it had ultimate fulfillment. And here we are. 2,700 years later, uh, recognizing that that sign is still here for us. A virgin is going to conceive and give birth to a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. The virgin birth was a sign that God was with his people. In the same way, Jesus himself was a sign to us. He picks up on that story of Jonah. He says, first Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh. So will the Son of Man, that was Jesus' nickname for himself, so will I be to this generation. So Jesus is the greatest sign, beloved. And you've got to deal with Jesus. At some point, both non-believer and believer alike have got to deal with Jesus. He is the sign and the portent to us. And, and in that passage, uh, go back and look at it again. He lays out two possibilities for how you deal with Jesus. Jesus will either be for you a sanctuary, a refuge that you run to. Later on in, in the Advent season, we'll see a Savior who delivers you from your sin or, or a stumbling block, right? Or the thing that causes me in my pride to trip and fall down. And he uses all kinds of descriptive words, broken, all kinds of words to say how we will be hurt as a result of it. So Jesus himself was assigned to us. Well, I want to I note for a second that God still gives signs. Signs are still in effect, Right? Jesus is certainly a sign, but Sabbath is also a sign. This is interesting, isn't it? You are to speak to the people of Israel. In other words, speak to God's people and say, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbath, for this is a sign between me and you and your generation that you know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. Exodus 31. Now, right now, several of you are are thinking, well, wait, didn't he free us from the law? Didn't he free us from the idea of Sabbath? He said, don't get lost in when the Sabbath was. The Jews celebrated Sabbath on Saturday. We celebrate the Lord's Day on Sunday. Don't, it does not matter when you celebrate it, other than the chance to be together like this. What matters is that you do. And that's a sign of a covenant. Wow. 
Wow. So, uh, and if, uh, I have friends who are um, very good, and, and some of them, their Sabbaths aren't on the Lord's Day, for like me, because we were really busy on the Lord's Day. Um, uh, and it's, it's a sign. Uh, we'll say, uh, this is coming up. Can we do this? Nope, can't do that, because um, that's my Sabbath. That's a day I set apart for the Lord. Right? Wow, that's a sign. How many times, uh, I'm giving myself away here, how many times have you been on the road on the Lord's Day and had a hankering for chicken, right? Am I the only one? Apparently so. Uh, How about, okay, I'm going to raise the ante. How about spicy chicken, okay? How about, there we go, okay, finally, a couple of honest people back there. How about a spicy chicken combo with waffle fries and a peppermint mint shake, okay? Okay, I'm sorry. I'm, eh. um, and, then, and then you remembered. And they put it on the sign on the highway. Closed on Sundays. Are, are anybody not following me yet? Right? Okay, okay. Why do they do that? It, I mean, it's literally a sign. We want to honor the Lord. And, and we're not going to believe the lie that if we don't open on Sundays, that somehow God cannot bless us, right? In fact, who, well, the very few companies that I can think of that God has blessed more than Chick-fil-A. Uh, and, uh, and so, why? Because they honored him. And, and the company honored him in a way that, uh, whether they're, Employees choose to honor him or not, that they at least have the opportunity to. So, so wow, um, God still gives signs. Sabbath is a big one of those. But sacraments also are a big sign, right? Uh, just as Abraham received the sign of circumcision, uh, he, and as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith, well, uh, sacraments are signs and seals. They both... They both point to and they seal the deal. They make it true, right? We're going to partake of a sacrament in a little while. And, and the fulfillment of that sacrament has not yet happened yet, but it's done. It is sealed. Your deliverance, your forgiveness, those things are sealed. You can count on it, right? You can count on it. Uh, just as for Abraham, it's an act of faith. If your heart... It's trembling this morning from some circumstances. I pray that two armies aren't surrounding your house. But, but when you are in that place, it's very real to you, right? Well, this is very real as well. God is still large and in charge. And he wants you to know through this sacrament that it is done. It is finished. It has been accomplished. God gives Sabbath. God gives sacraments. Here's this incredible thing. Uh, So God said through Isaiah, a virgin shall conceive and give birth to a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. And before that child is weaned, before that child is eating curds, right, um, then, then the very thing you fear will be gone. Right? And Isaiah was the immediate fulfillment of that. Isaiah had a son. And 
the immediate answer was there. The intermediate one came 65 years later when exactly what God said would happen, happened. Now, let me just emphasize that for a second because God has made very clear how this works, right? God has made very clear what the end of the story will be, right? And, and, and so we're in that same place that they were. We haven't seen the intermediate one yet. We have not seen the ultimate fulfillment. But on this first Sunday of Advent, as we come together and tell that story again, a virgin shall conceive 700 years later. Mary, well, we'll tell the story in the coming weeks, Mary conceived and ultimately bore a child and fulfilled the purposes of God. Where am I going with this? When you believe God, it is, how did they put it in Romans, it's credited to you as righteousness, right? As right relationship. You become that sign to the world. We've said it over and over again. You might be the only Jesus that someone sees. Come on up, worship team, if you would. Wow. Okay, so God is still in the business of giving signs. You are a sign to the world that Emmanuel, that God is with us. The question is not whether you are a sign or not, right? The real question, beloved? Ouch, I'm stepping on my own toes here really hard. The real question is to whom or what is your life pointing, right? If you are a sign, what is it pointing to? And if you're like me and you've been in that situation on a dark and rainy night when you are counting on what that sign said to be true, there's people that are counting on your life to direct them to the ultimate fulfillment of God's love, God's presence with us. They're counting on you to what is your life pointing. Mm. I just really want to invite you, uh, uh, the whole back half of that, you can fill in those blanks. Many of you already did um, by going back to our study today. Um, let God speak into your fear and, and learn to be still and know that he is God. Learn to be careful, right? Learn the truths that are going to make your light shine. Pray with me, would you? God, thank you for your precious gift of Jesus. Today, this first Sunday of Advent, we remind ourselves of all that he was, the sign that he was of incredible, loving, heavenly Father who loved us so much that he sent his only begotten Son that whoever, whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal, everlasting life. To God, as we come to the table of the Lord today, be that sign for us again, would you? As we come to the table of the Lord, God, meet us in this place. back would like to invite you to uh, come down the side aisles and and pick up the elements if you would 
take them back down the center aisle to your seats. When all have been served, we will partake of the sacrament of the Lord's Supper together. betrayed he took bread that that precious gift that had been assigned for so many generations of the love of God he took bread he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said this is my body given for you do this in remembrance of me In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This is the sign that you are in the new covenant with God. His law is written on your hearts. His spirit lives in you. His spirit proclaims through you the glory and the grace of God. Do this, he said, in remembrance of me. 
And the Apostle Paul said, every time you do this, you become a sign to the world of the presence of God in the midst of the darkness. Shine, beloved. Shine brightly for Jesus. Let's continue in worship together. What shall be your answer? Oh, will you hear the call of him who did not? 